0: Back to Earth, you're listening to Are We There Yet, the radio show exploring space exploration. Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Astronaut Nicole Stott spent more than 100 days in space. Her view of the planet up there changed the way she thinks about it now that she's back here on Earth. It's often called the overview effect, and it's a change in perspective seen by space goers. Stott hopes to share that same change in perspective with those of us not so lucky enough to head to space in her new book, Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet and Our Mission to Protect It. We'll talk with Stott about her motivation to write the book, her rules for us here on this planet to treat it like our own spaceship, and what we can do to be better crewmates. Caring for our own spaceship Earth, that's ahead on Are We There Yet? here on WMFE America's Space Station. The name Nicole Stott is no stranger to this show. We've probably had her on this program at least a dozen times, and I've had the chance to speak to her for my reporting since taking on the Space Beat over the past few years. Stott has such a unique perspective from her time in space and what's ahead for space exploration that I lean pretty heavily on her for insight. And while the future of the space industry is what we've primarily talked about on our on-the-record conversations— We've always ended up talking about the future of life here on Earth and how now, more than ever, we need to protect it when the recordings stopped. Her new book, Back to Earth, shares the same through line of these conversations Stott so graciously shared with me. I'm happy to have her back on the show and talk about her book and those conversations the two of us had. I spoke with Stott earlier this month, just hours after William Shatner returned from a suborbital flight on Blue Origin's New Shepard rocket. Our conversation begins there. Nicole Stott, thanks for
1: joining us. Oh, my pleasure always nice to be with you, Brendan.
0: so it's just um, I'm chatting with you just hours after um, Blue Origin returned with um, with William Shatner uh, on board, and he said some some profound things uh, when he got back to, to this planet. I'm wondering, can you just reflect on 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 that mission and 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 some of the things that he said when, when he returned to Earth?
1: Yeah, I have to tell you, I was, I mean, I, you know, we can see each other as we're talking here. And so you can see the smile on my face about this. I am still um, just so thankful for how he went into this mission, just the communication, the way he was thinking about it in advance, you know. And, and I think that, you know, the other crew members were reflecting that as well. And then to, to just listen to him. To see his face, to look at him trying to express what he had just experienced. You know, and I, I wrote I wrote some of this down. I mean, he said things like, You have given me the most profound experience. Suddenly you're through the blue and into black. I hope I never recover from this feeling. The moment you see the vulnerability of everything, and then the one thing he said that just hit so just home, so true to me, is that. This air that's keeping us alive is a sliver. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude! It, it couldn't. I, I don't think there's any script that could have brought that to life better. Um, and through him, and I'm so thankful that I, you know, that this awe and wonder just like was bubbling over from him after this flight. And I think it. I think it will continue for him. And and I get the sense from the other crew members too that they're. You know they're feeling the same thing, and and they're probably thankful for him. You know to be able to express it this way.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I also wrote down that quote about I hope I never recover from this. Um, As someone who has seen that thin blue line and has come back, will he ever recover from that? Will that moment be with him forever?
1: I, I absolutely believe it will be, and and for the others as well. I mean it. There's, there's kind of these phases I think you go through in reflecting on it, you know, it's just kind of the overwhelming power of it. And then, you know, what can this mean to my life and how do I carry it forward? And, but it is absolutely always with you.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of why these space tourism companies have come online, right, is to give ordinary people these, these moments of, of clarity and perspective and place um, I mean, is that what you gathered from this? That that this is this is the start of of something big that could change the rest of us here here on the planet.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think you know even for those of us that don't you know get to go back up or get to go up, the opportunity to um, hear these experiences shared from the people that are you know traveling to space now, um, this you know, these beginning steps, you know, the start of really providing access to more and more people for this opportunity. I think, um, you know, Shatner even said, oh my gosh, everybody should do this. Everybody should have the opportunity to do this when he was, you know, kind of like just stream of consciousness was coming. And I, I think every astronaut you talk to will agree with that. And so as we build out this, the, this industry, I guess, of space exploration and do the things like Shatner was reflecting on that, you know, the grander scheme things um, that Blue Origin and these other companies have planned, which is to lift some of this industrial stuff, lift some of the things that are causing the greatest harm to our planet off Earth into this benign environment of space. If, you know, if tourists are the pathway to doing that, I'm like thumbs up. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sounds good. I'll go with you. <laughs> I'm a rambler,
1: Brendan. You know it. You know it. I mean, you got me. These are like some of my favorite subjects, right? Yes.
0: And and which is why, let, let's talk about those subjects. Your, your new book is is Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet and Our Mission to Protect It. Um, and I, I think it's quite fitting that we're, we're talking about the book on today, um, because there are quite a few parallels to what uh, William Shatner said and what you discuss in the book. But I, I want to talk about the book itself, and it, it starts... The book starts from space. It starts with the, the famous moonrise image from the Apollo astronauts, and it ends here on Earth in the depths of the ocean. Um, tell me about the inspiration or the motivation behind writing this book.
1: Wow. Well, um, it definitely evolved over time, but I knew from the very beginning that I didn't, I wasn't wanting to write a memoir. Right. I wasn't wanting to tell the story. Oh, here's how Nicole became an astronaut. And and the um, the things that that, you know, kind of went along with that. Um, I love those stories. And, you know, maybe someday I'll do that. But I I was just feeling this need inside of me um, to share what you know, what a lot of astronauts really are are sharing, too, is that, you know, the way that we the ways, I guess, that we have found to live and work together as an international community, peacefully and successfully with like this greater mission of you know, going to space to improve life on Earth, and to live and work together in this mechanical life support system in space, the International Space Station, the ways that we've done that are so, they're just the perfect example for how we should be living and working as crewmates here on Spaceship Earth as crew and not passengers. And that's one thing we very deliberately have to do when we go to space and live on our spaceships, you know, just to survive. And then, you know, with the hopes of thriving there as well. And I think that was, that's at the heart of it. I wanna bring those things back to earth for all of us to be able to leverage. And, and hopefully anybody that reads the book, you know, will walk away with this call to action as, as a crewmate, not a passenger.
0: How how did you pick the folks that you interviewed in the book? Because their expertise and the projects that they do are so um, so different, Um, but they are all living that motto of being crew not passengers on Earth. I'm wondering how how you selected who you were going to interview and and talk about in the book.
1: Well, I think you know some of them. um, Actually, perhaps all of them. There was some you know little serendipitous thing in life that came along where I was either actually introduced to them you know in some way or I had uh, been told about them and encouraged to to meet them even before I I was going to write the book and so there is a variety I mean you know Mark Tersek, who is uh, I, I think that's chapter two, and um, or maybe not, can't remember. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know the former CEO of Nature Conservancy. I mean, I'd read about this guy years ago, in in an airline magazine, and I was just enthralled with with this story of this person who had been you know, a senior vice president, working really in the financial sector at Goldman Sachs to make his clients' money and, um, and doing that very successfully and having kind of this epiphany moment in his life where he's like, holy moly, I should be using my talents to, you know, make everyone aware of nature as, as this resource, as this commodity that's vital to us and how we work to protect nature for us versus from us. And then having this, you know, out of nowhere experience at a TED conference where I essentially turn around and there's Mark Tursek, you know, right in my face and having having the opportunity to meet him. And um, and really, you know, I tell the story in the book, like, you know, I was fangirling in, in a way that was like, this guy's never going to want to talk to me because of the, you know, my like babble that was going on, kind of like right now. And <laughs> um, and I'm so thankful that he did. And. And I want people to hear his story and to hear how significantly shifted his his life view was. I think, and how he's bringing that to bringing that to life for the rest of us. And and I believe changing the way that um, environmental nonprofits operate and try to encourage our participation for conservation, and also maybe even more importantly, actually more importantly, the way businesses and big corporations can. You know, very actively and responsibly play in in this world of sustainability and conservation as well.
0: Still to come, my conversation with astronaut and author Nicole Stott continues. And stay listening. Next week we'll check in with University of Florida astrobiologist Doctor Amy Williams for an update on the search for life on Mars. Don't miss that episode. Be sure to subscribe to this show's podcast feed. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts, like on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast app. Are We There Yet is back in a minute. You're listening to Are We There Yet? Here on WMFE, America's space station, I'm Brendan Byrne. We're speaking with Nicole Stott, a former astronaut and author of the new book, Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet and Our Mission to Protect It. Our conversation continues. It's apparent that we have a problem here on this planet, and, and you write that, you know, the book you wrote it for your son you wrote it for the next generation that have to inherit this planet but you also expressed some frustration and and times when you realized that that this might just be too big uh for us to tackle right now i mean what what do you say to uh people like me who are like well you know what we're just too far gone what is it even worth it you know what why should we be doing this um if it's not going to affect me or if if really we've destroyed this planet beyond beyond repair
1: yeah, I will never believe that we've destroyed it beyond repair. Um and I think, yeah, I did try to voice my frustration because there it just does. I mean, everything about it seems so big. And yet, you know, we know we know I mean, that Earthrise image, I mean, we are not that big, right? In the grand scheme of things, this planet is relatively small with respect to the overall um universe. And I think if we can open ourselves up to these new perspectives to say, Okay, Brendan, everything you do do um, affects everything and everyone around you, even if you don't necessarily like visibly see that happening. Um, I believe in the you know in the ripple effect that each of us can have. you know, and I, I try every time I f- start to get frustrated, I think about that view from space where I watched these lightning storms wrap around the planet, you know, to where I always thought. A storm over my head when it's gone it's gone it's not affecting anybody else our town is just the one that got you know the water and the lightning and the thunder and yet there's these tentacles of of light of like neurons firing in a brain wrapping around the planet and it just reminds me that everything we do is interconnected we are interdependent and um, and that's where the solutions come from and you know I've talked to you about this before these The idea that we astronauts and that the space program uses to, you know, to solve challenging problems is that we go into them with the belief that a solution exists, right? And that we're going to find it. And here's how we can do this, not why we can't do it. And I think it completely shifts the posturing of the people involved and the motivations and then the desire to take action. And that's what I'm hopeful that people will get from this book there was absolutely the frustration in the research, like, oh my gosh, what do you mean insect apocalypse? What do you mean extinction level kinds of things? What do you mean melting permafrost? I mean, all of these things that can put and should put, you know, a fear into us, but it should also, you know, you keep reading and you find the hope from the scientists as well. And I think a lot of times people don't get past the, the the fear stage. They don't read the solution, the the fact that there is hope and, and we should be encouraged. And then we just got to rally. I You know, I know it sounds kumbaya-ish, but, you know, it's true.
0: I, I like the idea of tackling something knowing that there is a solution. And that, <laughs> that definitely yeah. alleviates some of the frustration and fear going forward. One of the chapters in, in the book is... Uh, is about the thin blue line, and, and you and I have talked about this plenty of times before, and it was it was on top of mind listening to William Shatner talk about his trip on on blue origin and punching through that thin blue line and seeing the blackness of space and realizing just the fragility of this planet and and I'm wondering there are very few people that are going to see the earth from that perspective how How do you convey that fragility of this planet? How do you convey that thin blue line to us down here who who will very well not have the opportunity to see it or punch through it ourselves?
1: Well, I think, you know, I mean, there's certainly really beautiful pictures and videos for all of us to... And I I do that all the time. You know, I I keep one on my phone just to remind me. I tried to incorporate it into the cover of the book. Um, I think that that is a very... um, know compelling image to to take to heart you know to really get in you it's to, like to raise your awareness to it and what I try to do now and share with people is I discovered this thing called earthing I mean it's gonna sound you know very like you know mystical kind of uh, thing but it was a result of you know starting to get into meditation and stuff and trying to um, have a way down here on earth to experience that same sense and feeling I had looking, you know, through the windows of the spaceship. And, um, and earthing is really this cool thing. You go outside, you take your shoes off, you stand in the dirt or the grass and, and you just stand there quietly for a minute. And you really consider the fact that your feet are on a planet your feet are making that we live on a planet like holy moly do we ever really think you know think about that in our daily lives and i think we need to and i think shatner from this day forward will be thinking this kind of thing is that you accept that right we know it but then you accept it kind of into your life and and then you extend that to like eyes closed maybe with your feet touching touching the earth and it's like wow i am on this planet spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and my planet that I'm on spinning at a th- we are circling the sun at about sixty-seven thousand miles an hour, and yet I just feel like I'm standing still here on Earth, and that is that is powerful to me that we can feel so at home in in our place with our feet on this planet, and then I encourage people to just like. Lift your eyes up and look at the sky and look at this blue sky that seems to go on forever and just really consider how veil thin that it is and how thankful we should be that we are in this place that is just perfectly positioned and designed to take care of us. And then, yeah, you can look at some of the other pictures and videos, but just to reflect on that in our daily lives, I think that raised awareness then comes into consideration with everything we do.
0: I have to admire you to be able to meditate when thinking how fast we are <laughs> orbiting the sun. I know. And, and just how vast space is <laughs> and how little we are <laughs> in the universe, so.
1: But it's significant, isn't it? It's so significant. And i, I you know, we might've talked about this before, Brent, but I was always worried before, before traveling the first time to space, because I'd listened to some, you know, like the Apollo guys and I mean, they saw the whole earth Right. That view from the moon, this whole sphere of our planet hanging in space like that, the who and where we are. And a couple of them used words like so small. So, you know, like they used the word insignificant and it worried me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope they really meant, you know, they were in awe. They were humbled. They were overwhelmed. You know, those kinds of words that might bring the thought of insignificance to life to them. And I can tell you, first glimpse out the window, I'm, I'm hopeful that these four people that traveled, you know, today on um, Blue Origin's flight in those minutes that they had will feel the same thing, that there is total significance to who and where we are. There is total significance to this veil or as as Bill mentioned, this, you know, that this air that's keeping us alive as a sliver um, and that that should be um, at the heart of all of us, you know, this who and where we are and how this planet takes care of us. And and we need to be responsible, accountable to maintain the things about this Earth that allow us to survive, just like we are on our International Space Station that's this mechanical thing we've created in space.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you did mention that in the book, and it, it was definitely a different perspective for me, thinking about just how thin those boundaries are that keep us alive. You you talked about that thin blue line, the atmosphere that keeps us, you know, alive here on Earth. But you also talked about just how thin the hull is on the International Space Station. You, I mean, you were an aquanaut, you were underwater in, in this habitat that, you know, you needed to have all these resources around for you. And I, for me, my takeaway was, my goodness, there are so many things out there that can kill us in this one very delicate thing that's keeping us alive.
1: Yeah. That holds all the good stuff in, right? And, 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 you know, sadly can hold all the bad stuff in and then be damaged. Um, Yeah. The parallel between the thin metal hull of your spaceship, you know, your mechanical spaceship and the thin blue line of our atmosphere, I think is so perfect. And and so the way that we live and work within that, you know, within that protective layer is so critical. And, and I know it's orders of magnitude. You know, you think about seven people on a space station to seven plus billion on our planet, and um, it seems insurmountable, but I don't think it is. I mean, in space on the space station, it's the very basics, right, that we need to keep in mind. Okay, how much CO2 is in our atmosphere? How much clean drinking water do we have? The integrity of that thin metal hull, the health and well-being of all our crewmates, right? It's absolutely, all of those things are critical to us just surviving there. Those are the exact same kinds of things that we need to be aware of here as, you know, as the entire population. And, and it's why I think the crew, not passengers thing is... Um, I think it's the best skill that we could all develop is how to become better crewmates and not just along for the ride.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that mantra throughout, throughout the book. And as, as crewmates, not passengers, you have three guidelines that we have to follow. Can, can you share (laughs) those guidelines?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they seem, you know, they seem like really simple, I think. And, and, and again, they're, you know, that's, I mean, that's my simple mind, I guess, in the way I think about things, especially in all the complexity of what it takes to get to space, live there, come home safely. Um, is that when I sum it up, I think the three things for me that stand out are we live on a planet, we are all earthlings, and the only border that matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere that blankets and protects us all. And those three things, I mean, they are with me every day. And I, I want people to walk away from reading this book and carry those with them too as they live their life as earthlings as crewmates. I mean that that's that's really important to me. If you get nothing else from this book, I want you to walk away with that. But please still read it. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 take our word for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah figure it out yourself.
0: <laughs> um you dedicate the book to your son um and I know he's he's an adult now. He's he's out in the world um about to embark on his own journey as a crewmate of this planet. Um I'm wondering what advice you shared with him um, as, as he goes out to to be the change that this planet needs and and what advice parents can give their children because as as we've discussed, it's going to take the next generation to help solve these problems and and sustain this planet. So what advice are you giving your son, and what advice should parents give to their children?
1: Well, I think all of what we just talked about you know he's he's been in the midst of that um his entire life. I mean, his whole life has either been. With his mom training to go to space, flying in space, or now um, trying to bring that experience to life, you know, for for the people that um, you know that are around us. And uh, as he was going off to college, you know, which is gosh, a scary thing for parents when your kid, you know, heads off this way. Um, I mean, I really, and it's what I share with other people too. Is like, man, you're going off. You know, now's your time. You're getting to figure out like really who you are and what you have to bring to this world. And, and while you're doing that, I mean, really think about the best of you, um, the talents that you have, be appreciative of those. Don't, you know, don't tamp those down, really bring those out in your daily life and in what you want to study because that, you know, be passionate about it, curious, all of those things. But that's what will open up the best opportunities for you. And I think that's what will allow you really to bring the best, to be part of this change you just mentioned, Brendan, that, that will improve life for everyone around us. Be part of the solution. I mean, really live like an earthling, like a crewmate. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, my, you know, but I mean, I think he gets it. I see it in him. It makes me so proud. And I honestly, I cannot wait to see what he what he figures, like his thing, what is his his thing and how he's going to bring that to life.
0: Nicole Stott is a former NASA astronaut. Her new book is Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet and Our Mission to Protect It. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Brendan.
0: You can get the book Back to Earth at major book retailers and more information on her website is at npsdiscovery.com. That's gonna do it for this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to the show's podcast feed. Get it on NPR1, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can visit WMFE.org slash Are We There Yet. Stay up to date on the latest space news. You can follow me on Twitter, I'm at SpaceBrendan. The show's Twitter handle is at AWTY Space. Or you can visit our website, WMFE.org/slash space. Are we there yet? Is a production of WMFE, America's Space Station. Editorial guidance this week from LaToya Dennis, and the show's intern is Maria Brasino. Support for Are We There Yet? comes from our listeners. Until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.